Chapter Seventeen of the Double Trader by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter Seventeen. The ambassador glanced at the clock as he entered his library to greet his early morning visitor. It was barely nine o'clock. Dear friend, he exclaimed as he held out his hands, I am distressed to keep you waiting. Such zeal in our affairs must, however, not remain unnoticed. I will remember it in my reports. Anna smiled as he stooped to kiss her fingers. I had special reasons, she explained, for my haste. I was disappointed indeed that I could not see you last night. I was at Windsor, her host remarked. Now come, sit there in the easy chair by the side of my table. My secretaries have not yet arrived. We shall be entirely undisturbed. I have ordered coffee here, of which we will partake together. A compromising meal to share, dear Baroness, but in the library of my own house it may be excused. The Princess sends her love. She will be glad if you will go to her apartments after we have finished our talk. A servant entered with a tray, spread a cloth on a small round table, upon which he set out coffee with rolls and butter and preserves. For a few moments they talked lightly of the weather, of her crossing, of mutual friends in Berlin and Vienna. Then Anna, as soon as they were alone, leaned a little forward in her chair. "'You know that I have a sort of mission to you,' she said. "'I should not call it that, perhaps, but it comes to very nearly the same thing. The Emperor has charged me to express to you and to Count Lanyoki his most earnest desire that if things should come which we know of, you both maintain your position here at any cost.' The Emperor's last words to me were, If war is to come, it may be the will of God. We are ready, but there is one country which must be kept from the ranks of our enemies. That country is England. England must be dealt with diplomatically. He looks across the continent to you, Prince. This is the friendly message which I have brought from his own lips. The Prince stirred his coffee thoughtfully. He was a man just passing middle age, with gray hair, thin in places but carefully trimmed, brushed sedulously back from his high forehead. His moustache, too, was gray, and his face was heavily lined, but his eyes, clear and bright, were almost the eyes of a young man. "'You can reassure the Emperor,' he declared. "'As you may imagine, my supply of information here is plentiful. If those things should come that we know of, it is my firm belief that, with some reasonable yet nominal considerations, this government will never lend itself to war. "'You really believe that?' she asked earnestly. "'I do,' her companion assured her. "'I try to be fair in my judgments. London is a pleasant city to live in, and English people are agreeable and well-bred, but they are a people absolutely without vital impulses. Patriotism belongs to their poetry books. Indolence has stagnated their blood. They are like a nation under a spell,' with their faces turned towards the pleasant and desirable things. Only a few months ago they even further reduced the size of their ridiculous army and threw cold water upon a scheme for raising untrained help in case of emergency. Even their navy estimates are passed with difficulty. The government which is conducting the destinies of a people like this, which believes that war belongs to a past age, is never likely to become a menace to us. Anna drew a little sigh and lit the cigarette which the prince passed her. She threw herself back in her chair with an air of contentment. "'It is so pleasant once more to be among the big things,' she declared. 
in berlin i think they are not fond of me and they are so pompous and secretive tell me dear prince will you not be kinder to me tell me what is really going to happen he moved his chair a little closer to hers i see no reason he said cautiously why you should not be told events then will probably move in this direction provocation will be given by servia that is easily arranged tension will be caused austria will make enormous demands russia will remonstrate and before anyone has time to breathe the clouds will part to let the lightnings through if anything we are over-ready straining with over-readiness and the plan of campaign austria and italy the prince continued slowly will easy keep russia in check germany will seize belgium and rush through to paris she will either impose her terms there or leave a second-class army to conclude the campaign there will be plenty of time for her then to turn back and fall in with her allies against russia and england anna asked supposing the prince tapped the table with his forefinger here he announced we conquer with diplomacy we have imbued the present cabinet even the minister who is responsible for the army with the idea that we stand for peace we shall seem to be the attack party in this war we shall say to england remain neutral it is not your quarrel and we will be capable of a great act of self-sacrifice we will withhold our fleet from bombarding the french towns england could do no more than deal with our fleet if she were at war she shall do the same without raising a finger no country could refuse so sane and businesslike an offer especially a country which will at once count upon its fingers how much it will save by not going to war and afterwards the prince shrugged his shoulders afterwards is inevitable please go on she insisted we shall occupy the whole of the coast from antwerp to harbra the indemnity which france and russia will pay us will make us the mightiest nation on earth we shall play with england as a cat with a mouse and when the time comes well perhaps that will do the prince concluded smiling anna was silent for several moments i am a woman you know she said simply and this sounds in a way terrible yet for months i have felt it coming there is nothing terrible about it the prince replied if you keep the great principles of progress always before you if a million or so of lives are sacrificed the great germany of the future gathering under her wings the peoples of the world will raise them to a pitch of culture and contentment and happiness which will more than atone for the sacrifices of today. It is, after all, the future to which we must look. A telephone bell rang at the prince's elbow. He listened for a moment and nodded. An urgent visitor demands a moment of my time, he said, rising. I have already taken too much, Anna declared, but I felt it was time that I heard the truth. They fence with me so in Berlin and believe me prince hirschfeld in vienna the emperor is almost wholly ignorant of what is planned the door was opened behind them the prince turned around a young man had ushered in herr seligman for a moment the latter looked steadily at anna then he glanced at the ambassador as though questioningly you two must have met the prince murmured we have met anna declared smiling as she made her way towards the door but we do not know one another it is best like that herr seligman and i work in the same army but i madame am the sergeant seligman interrupted with a low bow whilst you are upon the staff she laughed as she made a redoux and departed the door closed heavily behind her seligman came a little further into the room 
"'You have read your dispatches this morning, Prince?' he asked. "'Not yet,' the latter replied. "'Is there news, then?' Seligman pointed to the closed door. "'You have spoken for long with her?' "'Naturally,' the Prince assented. "'She is a confidential friend of the Emperor. She has been entrusted for the last two years with all the private dispatches between Vienna and Berlin.' in your letters you will find news seligman declared she is pronounced suspect she is under my care at this moment a report was brought to me half an hour ago that she was here i came on at once myself i trust that i am in time the prince stood quite silent for a moment fortunately he answered coolly i have told her nothing End of chapter seventeen recording by tom weiss tom's audiobooks dot com